Welcome to worship this morning on this second Sunday of Easter. It's good to remember that Easter is not just a single day or weekend, but 40 days of celebration as we remember Christ risen and promising that he is with us always to the end of time. Dispersed as we are, we worship in his name and we are united in his love. Today I'm delighted that members of both End and Trinity Church in High Wycombe are sharing in leading this service. One of our elders, Alan Yates, will reflect on the main reading from the Bible. Kate will lead the prayers of intercession and Ali, Debbie, Martin and Marion are taking part too, all from their different homes. My thanks to them. As the Sunday after Easter Day, Easter Sunday, there's often a sense of anticlimax for this day. It's known as Low Sunday. It's a Sunday where often ministers are away and others are having the day off. But this is, in a sense, a reminder that Christ is with us in the highs and the lows of life, the mountaintop experiences and the valleys of our lives. With us in the laughter and in the tears. So let's keep a moment of quiet as I light our peace candle. Good morning. Let me introduce our two readings for this morning, which both come from the lectionary for the first Sunday after Easter. You know, sometimes when I study the lectionary readings in preparation for a service, I look at them and wonder why on earth they've been put together. Our readings this morning did not cause me any such grief. The first letter of Peter clearly resonates with our reading from John's Gospel. When you hear the first chapter of 1 Peter, listen for the rebirth and resurrection, trials and tribulations, and salvation by faith alone. When you hear John 20, listen with confidence to the sightings of the risen Lord, experience the peace of Christ, and put yourself in Thomas's sandals. Good morning, everyone. This morning's New Testament reading comes from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. And I'm reading from the NIV UK version, entitled, A Living Hope. Praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who are through faith shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result 
in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. I'm reading from John's Gospel, chapter 20. Jesus appears to his disciples. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus appears to Thomas. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The purpose of John's Gospel. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would take these humble words and our thoughts and use them to lead us ever closer to your divine truth. Amen. This morning, I want us to focus on the second half of our gospel reading, the story of Thomas. But before I do that, I must say a few words about our reading from the first chapter of 1 Peter because it packs such a punch in a few short verses. The first five verses give us a 60 second summary of the core of our Christian beliefs. It's fantastic and well worth more than 60 seconds to study. Hint for some of our study groups. But before I move on to John's Gospel, I want to point out the oblique reference to Thomas when in verse 8 Peter says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Now, 
Let us look at the second half of our reading from John. I wish I was more like Thomas. No, I don't want to go down in history as a doubter. I think Thomas has been given some bad press because he insisted in putting his finger where the nails were and his hand in Christ's pierced side before he would believe Jesus was alive. Thomas's reputation was further damaged when Jesus told Thomas on his second visitation to the disciples, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And I still wish I was more like Thomas. Defending Thomas for a moment, we must remember firstly that the rest of the disciples were shown without asking the nail marks immediately Jesus appeared to them. And secondly, we read earlier in the chapter when the first disciples rushed to the tomb following Mary's discovery that he also went in to the tomb and he saw and he believed. I even get the impression that the other disciples did not really believe that Mary had seen Jesus. So Thomas didn't really behave any differently from his fellow disciples. So perhaps we ought not to condemn Thomas too hastily, just because he needed to see before he could believe. And believe something that was truly fantastic in both senses of the word. I wish I was more like Thomas. Thomas had great qualities. He was courageous, decisive, outspokenly honest. On one occasion, he demonstrated his courage when Jesus proposed to go to Bethany, which is a couple of miles to the east of Jerusalem, after the news of Lazarus's illness. Thomas knew that for Jesus to go that close to Jerusalem, he would be inviting serious trouble. And even with that knowledge, Thomas said, let us also go and die with him. Thomas did not lack courage. In fact, his courage caused him to say things that others might be thinking, but were too afraid to say. So when he said he would not believe until he saw the marks of the nails, he was probably only voicing things that others had thought before. Nor can we say that Thomas was indecisive. Indecision is not the same as doubt. It is decisive to express clearly your doubts. Then and only then can they be fully addressed by the fellowship. Doubting is not dithering, no. Thomas's only mistake was to have withdrawn from the other disciples after Christ's death perhaps because he was too grief-stricken to meet his fellow Christians face to face. He sought loneliness rather than fellowship. And maybe there's a message in that for us all here in our social distancing and isolation. It can make a great deal of difference when we are, separate ourselves from our Christian fellowship. 
However, once convinced of Christ's resurrection, Thomas's true character was evident in his complete commitment to the risen Lord. A commitment unlikely to be attained by those who glibly accept things without thought or challenge. I wish I was more like Thomas. Would you like to be more like Thomas? Thomas is a clear example to us all of how we are to fulfil Christ's great commission today. Thomas was confident in what he knew and what he didn't know. And Thomas knew that he loved Jesus. Thomas was not afraid of expressing his doubt, and he shared that, rightly so, in fellowship. Having expressed his doubt and seen Christ's response, Thomas was confident that Jesus was his Lord and his God. Remembering that it was not easy to follow Jesus, and we are reminded in 1 Peter, it won't be easy for us either. But with God's help, it will not defeat us. Let me finish with the words from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. We are hard pressed, but never cornered. But bewildered, but never at our wit's end. Hunted, but never abandoned to our fate. Struck down, but never killed. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you will make us all ever more like Thomas. Courageous, honest, loyal and obedient. Amen.